Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are and whatever time you're watching. It's good to be with you. My name is Josh, and I'm the adult ministry pastor at the Ridge, and I would like to welcome you to my home here in Morgantown. Back in February of this year, I was in our church lobby on a typical Sunday morning. For those of you who haven't yet been to our building, we have a big lobby with a lot of room for lots of people. On that particular Sunday, I just stood back for a few minutes and watched all the activity and excitement. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. The kids running around with big smiles on their faces, friends catching up, and so many people pouring into the auditorium for the service. As I stood there taking it all in, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, this is awesome. This is just awesome. It feels like heaven on earth. May it never, ever stop. And then it stopped. A few weeks later, in the middle of March, everything stopped. Schools, businesses, churches were shut down. As I reflect on life and our church in particular over these last six months, I feel a sense of loss and grief. Like so many of you, I really miss going to church. I miss walking my kids down the hallway and up the stairs to their classrooms. I miss catching up with friends in the lobby. I miss handshakes and hugs. I even miss the long coffee line before the 11 a.m. service. And I definitely miss the sound of hundreds of voices worshiping God together. But at the same time, I'm filled with gratitude, joy, and hope for our church family. Because while our church doors have been temporarily closed because of the COVID-19 virus, God has been opening up new doors all around us. Every week, we have new people joining us online for church, and many of you are sharing the live stream services so more people can hear the gospel message. We live streamed our services before the pandemic, but now they're even better and more accessible on multiple platforms. Our small groups have actually grown and are thriving online and in person. Parents, you're using the Ridge Kids material to lead your children spiritually at home. And can I just say to you parents, I think you deserve a gold medal, a certificate suitable for framing, and at least a month's vacation alone for everything you've done the last six months. Our parking lot on several occasions has become a place of prayer, worship, and connection. And so many of you are taking the initiative to love your neighbors and serve our community in new and creative ways. This list could go on and on. So while our church doors have been closed because of this pandemic, God has been opening up new doors all around us. And that's why I'm filled with so much gratitude, joy, and hope from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. So today, as we talk about all the new things that God is doing right now, the new doors that he is opening, there's one new door in particular that I'd like to talk with you about, and that's the door of your home. In a recent update video from Pastor Tim, he shared that we're now looking to reopen our building for services in October. So over the next few months, we would like to provide you with some different options to gather together while our building is closed. And one of those options that we've been praying about and working on is the Ridge at Home, which is simply an opportunity to watch the service with a small group of people in a home. 
So for the last few weeks, we've been trying that. My family has been welcoming over a few friends and neighbors into our living room to watch the service together on the TV. And we're hearing some really cool stories that some of you are too. You're gathering in living rooms like this, on decks. We know of a group that's meeting in a driveway to create many ridge experiences. In our gathering, we keep it simple and we keep it on the small side. And we also do our best to keep it safe by following the recommended health guidelines. And I'll be honest, it still feels weird to not hug or give a handshake when someone comes over, but I'm getting pretty good at air high fives and air hugs, elbow bumps, and there's even the foot shake. <laughs> we gather around 10.30 on Sundays to connect and have coffee outside if it's nice. And then a few minutes before 11, we pull up the service on our TV and settle in to watch the message together. To wrap up, we spend about 10 minutes discussing the message and close with prayer. Now for us and for all of you who are doing something like this, we're learning some important things about doing church at home in this season. For us, having a few people over to watch the service has actually felt really easy. We don't have a meal. It's not a Super Bowl party or a cookout. We have coffee and bottled water available. We watch the worship and message, discuss it, pray, and then we're done. Start to finish, I would say about an hour and a half, give or take. Another thing that, that we've been learning is it's just great to be with people. We've missed the connections before and after the service. And third, watching the service at home with a few other people at a set time each week has helped keep us accountable and engage. And you get it. I get it. Life is busy, and it's easy to skip, a, skip church for a week or two or even three. Overall, it's been really good, and I'm very thankful for it. So if hosting a small gathering like this is something you've thought about, or maybe hearing about it today has you intrigued, I hope this message gives you a biblical foundation for gathering with others for worship in a home and some practical steps to get started. And we also understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic, so this option isn't going to be the right fit for everyone for a variety of reasons, and that's okay. If that's you, we encourage you to keep joining us online every week and share the service with others. You're an important part of our church. And if you have Facebook, hosting a watch party is a great way to connect with others before, during, and after the service. Now, in just the last few minutes, we've talked about church happening in our building, to the church online, and our church in a home. And for me, and maybe you too, all of these changes can feel overwhelming. It's a lot to process. But let's not forget what Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus makes a promise, we can trust that our Savior is going to keep it. Jesus promised to build his church, a people, not a place, not a building, and nothing will stop him. Now, the setting of this promise makes all the difference. Jesus was with his disciples in a town called Caesarea Philippi, which was the center of false worship for the Greek god Pan. About 10 years ago, I actually stood in the remains of this ancient city. In this photo, you see several niches to house the statues of the gods. And most notably, you see the mouth of this huge cave. 
The pagan belief at that time was that this cave was the entrance or the gates to the underworld of the dead where the gods would travel to each winter and emerge each spring. It was here, at their gates of hell, surrounded by false gods, demonic activity, and evil acts of pagan worship that Jesus asked his disciples this most important question, and we read it in Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter rightly acknowledges Jesus' true identity as the long-awaited Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God who would save people from their sins. Jesus then affirms Peter and says that he would use him in a unique way to build the church, the people of God, and nothing would ever stop it, not even the gates of hell. As we move ahead in the Gospel of Matthew to chapter 27, Jesus the Messiah is crucified for the sins of the world and he's buried. In Matthew 28, Jesus is raised to life, defeating sin and death. He gives his disciples the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Then Jesus ascends to heaven as described in Acts 1. And in Acts 2, the promised Holy Spirit of God was given to Jesus' followers on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter preaches his first message about Jesus the Messiah, our risen Savior. And what was the result of this powerful message? Well, Acts 2.41 tells us, so those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. In Matthew 16, Jesus promised to build the church and that he would use Peter in a unique way to get it started. Here we see the promise already being fulfilled. 3,000 people believed the message, the gospel. They were baptized as a public profession of their faith, and they were added to the church family. Acts chapter 2, it continues with a description of this early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. I have always loved this passage. I find it so inspiring. And in fact, when I read it, it makes me think of you, our church, a group of people who love God, who love others, and want everyone to be a part of God's family through faith in Christ. Now we notice from verse 42, the four things that anchored their faith, teaching the truth, fellowship with one another, 
breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper or communion, when we remember Jesus' death on the cross, and prayer. It was these four things that they devoted themselves to. And to devote yourself to something, it simply means that you give an intense effort, you persist, you keep on. And we also notice in verse 46 where they did these things. It says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. Our first century brothers and sisters gathered together and worshiped in both the large setting, the temple complex there in Jerusalem, and also in a small setting, the home. And here's what I think is cool. The teaching, which we would call the message of the sermon, the fellowship, which is building meaningful relationships, breaking bread, which is sharing communion together, and prayer. These four things can happen in a large setting, and they can happen in a small one as well. These anchors of our faith can happen in buildings, in homes, and everywhere in between. Now, this new, growing first century church gathered large and small, but it only lasted for a short period of time. Just a few years later, a violent persecution broke out against the church and pushed them out of Jerusalem, eliminating their ability to gather as one large church family. So from Acts 8, we read, On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravishing the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. The church, which was only a few years old, was now facing severe persecution. Christians were being killed and put in prison for their faith. They were no longer able to gather as one large church family. Did they quit? Did the church fall apart? No, it grew. Acts 8.4 says, those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of good news. By trying to stop the gospel, the message from spreading those who were persecuting the church actually sped it up. The Christians who were there in Jerusalem were being pushed out on their own and they took the gospel with them. And what we see throughout Acts and many other places in the New Testament is that the gospel was moving out in every direction and the home became a very important resource for Jesus to keep building his church. Here are just a few of the many references to the early church meeting in homes. Acts 12, 12 says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where they had assembled and were praying. Acts 16, 40, after leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, where they saw and encouraged the brothers and departed. Romans 16, 5, greet also the church that meets in their home. From Acts 2, Acts 8, these passages and many others, we see that God's people can gather, grow, and multiply anywhere, in large buildings and small ones, in buildings and in homes, inside and outside. Jesus promised to build his church, and he kept that promise during times of great persecution. In fact, the church didn't just survive that persecution, they thrived. It made them strong and even more effective for the mission that God had given them. 
Now for us today, we're not facing this kind of persecution that many believers around the world are, but we are facing a pandemic. And like the early church, our ability to gather together in a large group has been temporarily disrupted. And like the early church, we can't go big right now, but we can go small. We can't go to church, but we can be the church in our homes. Now, logistically, it would have been very challenging for us to do church at home well a few years ago. We only have one Pastor Tim. If you count his twin, I guess we have two. (laughs) Today, however, because of technology and the infrastructure we have in place in our building, we can effectively broadcast the worship and the message into your home like we're doing right now. We don't need someone to teach or someone to lead in all of these homes. We just need a computer, TV, or projector, and we can do church at home. The door of our church building is temporarily closed, but the door of your home is open. And a question that I've been thinking a lot about is this. What if, what if closing our church doors has opened up a new door, perhaps an even bigger door for us to love and impact the people in our life during this pandemic? These are hard times. I believe you live where you live and know who you know on purpose. It's not an accident. God has you right where he wants you for such a time as this. So be encouraged today that Jesus promised to build his church a people not a place, and nothing will stop him. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If Jesus built his church during great times of persecution, we can trust him to build his church and empower each of us during this pandemic. So, the rigid home. How do you get started? How does it work? We've boiled it down to these four steps. You invite, watch, discuss, and pray. That's it. Step one is to invite. Ridge at Home starts with an invitation from you. Our mission at the Ridge is to be an inviting church that leads people into a growing relationship with God and others. This is based on the great commandment and the great commission. As a church, we've invited people to our building for years and that has been extremely fruitful. The last two years with improved technology, we've been able to invite people to church online and that has been very fruitful. Now, we can invite people to church in our home, and we believe this too can be very fruitful. You know, multiple options for church reminds me of a Cracker Barrel sign I recently saw on I-79. You can dine in, curbside pickup, or delivery. They've got options for people to enjoy their food, and we've got multiple options for church. I love it. So as you invite, we encourage you to keep it small, around 10 or less, so you can keep it safe. It could be you plus one person, or one couple or one family. If you have a little more space, it could be you plus two people, or two couples or two families. One, two, five, or ten, it's completely up to you. It's your home. And you might be thinking, well, who do I invite? Honestly, anyone. You can invite family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, people from your small group, people you serve with at the Ridge, people who go to our church and people who don't. I would say a good place to start is grab your phone and look at the last 10 calls you made and the last, tech, the last 10 texts you sent. You know, we live where we live and know who we know for a reason. So I would say send a text, send an email, make a call and invite someone to join you. Step two is easy. 
It's watch the worship set and message together. Going back to what I mentioned earlier, we're so blessed to be able to do this. This is new. God has given us the tools we need, and now we have multiple platforms to watch our service. We, in our home, use the Free Ridge app on our Roku stick, and that works great, but use whatever's best for your setup. And some of you who would like to host Ridge at home, you've got kids, and, and I would encourage you to view that as a strategic opportunity, not a challenge. We include our kids during the singing time, and then during the message, we pull up the Ridge Kids at Home video lesson on a laptop in another room, and one of us takes a turn to stay with the kids each week. The ages and number of children will be different for every house, but we encourage you to include them in the gathering as much as possible and also utilize our awesome Ridge Kids at Home content. Step three is also easy. Take a few minutes to discuss the message. Since you're together with another person or a small group, we think it's a great opportunity to discuss what, you, what impacted you from the message. A question that we've been asking is, what impacted you from the message today? Or how can I apply what we learned today? Uh, we also provide a one-page discuss, discussion guide based on the message each week that can be found on our website. And I think it's amazing how a brief discussion, even 10 minutes, can help move the message from our head to our heart and then to our hands for action. And step four is also simple. Pray together before you go. Just have one person close your time with prayer. So your home plus the people you invite equals the rigid home. Invite some people, watch the message, discuss it for a few minutes and pray. That's it. This is the ridge at home. And as I mentioned earlier, we understand that in the midst of a pandemic, this option isn't going to be the right fit for everyone for a variety of reasons, and that's okay. We encourage you to keep joining us online and, and every week share the message with the people in your life. But if a small gathering a home in a home is something that you've already thought about or, or maybe hearing about it today has you intrigued or excited, we can't help to get you started. I would invite you to visit theridge.church slash at home, and you'll find a summary of today's message along with some additional information resources and an easy way to connect with us if you have questions before or after you start. And if you're wondering, do I have to sign up for this? The answer might surprise you. You don't. This is your home, your invitations, your initiative, so there's no need to sign up to get started. But we would like to know how it's going. So in three or four weeks, after you've had time to get things going, we'll send out a church-wide email. And if you're hosting a rigid home gathering, we would love to hear how it's going and, and what additional resources that we can bring to you. You know, as we've learned from the book of Acts, gathering for worship in homes isn't a new idea, but it's new for most of us. Don't let that stop you. If you're ready to jump in, I encourage you to take the step and invite one person into who's in your life over next week and let's see what God does. Let me leave you with a story today. Last Sunday in our rigid home gathering, I was sitting right over there when my two-year-old son Micah crawled up on my lap. Just as he was climbing up on me, his favorite worship song, The Blessing, came on. He calls it, Amen, Amen, Church. <laughs> so here I was, singing The Blessing with my mask on and hearing my two-year-old son quietly sing, Amen, Amen, Amen. I thought to myself, 
This isn't the same as being in the church building, but this is pretty awesome. I'm here with my family, a few friends and neighbors, and we're worshiping God together in our home. This is new and this is different, but it works and is good. Then I thought, imagine if there were 10 homes or 50 homes or 100 homes or more all throughout our region, loving God, loving each other, and sharing the good news of Jesus. How cool would that be? You know, we've all heard the expression, home is where the heart is. What if during this pandemic, our home is where the hope is because our home is where the church is? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to connect together as a church today. Thank you for the tools and the resources and the technology that you have given to us for such a time as this. Jesus, we thank you for the promise that you gave that you will build your church. You've built your church in times of persecution and we are trusting you that you will build it during times of pandemic. God, I pray as we hear this message that we would be encouraged that you are with us and that you are building your church and nothing will ever stop it. And today, God, if we're feeling the nudge to have someone over to worship together, God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the faith to take that step. God, we love you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for all the ways that you've been at work in our church these last six months. This is your church, and we're so blessed to be a part of it. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.